Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message. But before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the word together. But I, I wanted to just touch on a couple things that the scriptures say about Jesus' uh, birth and kind of the, the way things uh, happened and the way they went down. And I think it's important to, for us to see it just real briefly because um, there's a lot of things, a lot of pieces moving, a lot of parts moving around Jesus' birth that God orchestrated and talked about hundreds of years before. And then he did it exactly right. And it points to Jesus being the Messiah. And uh, we celebrate this time of Christmas. I think it's good for us as believers, as Christians, as people that you know, showed up to church on a Sunday, right? Even to just watch kids, but that we understand how real and how true the God that we serve is, amen? So I'm just gonna read a couple things for you. Um, I'm gonna start in Luke and just tell a little bit of how, how this story uh, plays out and um, just maybe make a couple of comments here. But in Luke chapter two, uh, in verse seven, it says this, that uh, Mary, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch of the, over their flock by night. And these are the same shepherds that the angels showed up to and sang and proclaimed that Jesus was gonna be born in Bethlehem. And after they told him where he was gonna be born and how it was gonna happen, and, and that uh, born unto you this day in the city of David, a savior is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign for you, verse 12, that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and, and lying in a manger. I'm going to make a point of this word babe in a couple spots and then the word child in a couple spots. You'll find this, this babe lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel multitudes uh, of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from, from heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And, there came, and they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. Now the, the Greek um, and the way this was written was originally in Greek is, <laughs> is this, is babe and child. Babe is actually, in the Greek, it's, uh, the Greek word is brephos. It means infant. Or um, it, specifically, it means either just newborn or a baby still in the womb. So it's the same word. The Bible, I find this interesting. I got to lay this out there. The Bible does not differentiate between a baby in the womb and a baby out of the womb. It's the same word. Same word, brephos, babe. But they found the babe out of the womb lying in the manger. And then the word, then it says, they, they told people what was concerning the child. That's a different word. Uh, Paedon is a different word. It means actually any, any age of child uh, from like seven and younger. So when we say like, you know, these are my kids, right? They're your kids. They're always going to be your kids. But, you know, this, this particular word means like an age of account, under the age of accountability. So the Bible goes back and forth a little bit on this. 
What I find interesting is that it specifically says the two different, the two different names, the two different words for kid. Then in verse 21, it says, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, Jesus, he was a male child, circumcision, Jewish custom. His name was called Jesus and the name was given, that name which was given by the angels before he was conceived in the womb. And then it says in verse 22, and then when the days of her, Mary's, purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, in Jewish custom and culture, when the boys were born, there was eight days of till circumcision, then there's another 33 days, which uh, allowed the woman to heal. It was called the, the days of her purification. When all that was done, she was healed up, she was able to travel. Then you bring the baby back to Jerusalem to dedicate the baby to the Lord and to give some sacrifices. So there's like a a 40-day window here, 41-day window here between when Jesus was born and when they brought him back to Jerusalem. And so I'm, I'm making a little bit of a point here because I, I, I want you to see something in the scripture that I think is really interesting. So for 40 days, right, they weren't in Bethlehem, in Bethlehampton Inn, hanging out in the stable, <laughs> right? You, I mean, moms, I mean, if you're, in the, if you're in the hospital that long, something else happens, right? When you have a healthy baby and you, you're up and going, that's like day two or three and they're kicking you out of the hospital. Do you guys, you remember your first kid when that happened? You're like, really? You're letting me leave with this kid right now? Like, I don't, that's it? No instruction manual? Like, just go? So it's a little bit different now. Like, you have to make sure that they're all strapped in, right? You got to have this five-point release harness that looks like a NASCAR, right? And they check all that before you leave. I mean, where are the moms in the house when you left the hospital, you carried your child in your arms back home? Where are you at? Yeah, see, that actually happened, right? Like, like the millennials just freaked out right there. Like, no seat belts? There were cars with no seat belts. That was a thing. So they, they actually went home. So they had, they had Jesus in Bethlehem. That fulfilled scripture. But once that happened, they actually went back to Nazareth. All right? So I want to show you this. In Matthew chapter 2, very similar account, but this one's talking about uh, the Magi. This is talking about the, the wise men. Now, when we do these nativity scenes, and you guys all have them at your houses, right? We just did a play where the wise men showed up to the birth of Jesus. Theologically, it's incorrect. It's cute in a play. It works really, really good. Everybody like the wise men? Everybody happy with the wise men? <laughs> Theologically, they weren't there at the birth of Jesus. They actually showed up later. Let me prove it to you. <clears throat> All right, verse 7 in chapter 2 of Matthew says this. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. The wise men were called the magi. The magi were renowned. They were revered in all the land. Actually, they, they were called as a, as a, a pseudonym, kingmakers because they were so wise, they were so powerful, they were so rich that people would seek them out to find out who they should put in charge of their regions, their territories, and they would give advice. So when they, when they showed up, people paid attention and they showed up with an entourage. These guys didn't travel alone. They traveled with money, servants, and security. So for them to get audience with King Herod was a big deal. Right, And they came to Herod and said, where's the king of the Jews? We saw his star and we've come to honor him, to worship him. Because it wasn't just yesterday. So the, the Magi saw the star. They researched the star. What does that mean? What is that for? They found out the timing. They looked at scripture. They looked at stuff. They found out, oh, this is the king of the Jews. This was foretold from the prophets. Oh, this is, this is a big deal. We need to get our stuff together and we need to go find this, this child. So it took them a while. And there are estimates that they traveled between 1,000 and 1,200 miles to get 
to Jerusalem. The kings from the east, wise men from the east. It, so this took them months and months and months to get there, let alone the, the prep and, the, and getting ready to go, right? So they, they've come geared up. And they come to Herod. And in verse eight, uh, it says that Herod, they found, Herod found out that the, the Christ was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Herod even asked the Jewish high priests, the people that know the scripture, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? They said, he has to be born in Bethlehem. So he told them, well, he must have been born in Bethlehem. Go, Herod said, go, search carefully for the young child. Now he's changed the term. It's back to that Paedon word, right? Which is a kid from seven or under. It, it almost never talks about just an infant. It can, but almost always it's, a, it's a, an older kid, a toddler. Uh, the specific definition is a kid that's in training, so you're not training infants, right? You're just taking care of them. When they get a little older, you start training them, right? Where's the bathroom? That's the first one. Figure that one out. How to eat, how to chew, right? How to handle things, how to walk. So he says, go find the young child. When you found him, bring back word to me that I may come worship him also. And so they heard the king and they departed and, they, and, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east. This is probably two years prior. The star which they seen in the east went before them and it came and it stood over where the young child was. So you can see where people get confused that the star appeared two years prior. And now by divine help, the star is actually leading them. But look what it says it takes them to. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly great. And when they had come into the house, not the inn, not the stable, not Bethlehampton Suites, when they came into the house, what house is this? This is Jesus' house. He's a, he's a Nazarene. His family's from Nazareth. They, like, like you would, 40 days Two years later, you went home. You, you went home, right? We're not gonna ask for any hands here, but some of y'all, it's possible you delivered in a taxi or a car, right? You didn't stay in the taxi, you went home, right? You delivered somewhere that wasn't your hometown, possibly, right? But then you went home, right? And so they went, they went and found the child who is, Jesus at this point is very likely two years old. And they find him. And they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And they being divinely warned in a dream, they should not tell Herod. They departed and went to another country. God put together so many details that orchestrated Jesus' life. And he, and he foretold it in the stars so that people that pay attention to the stars, not the astrologists, but the astronomists, the people that know the movement of the stars, could see that God did something significant when Jesus was born so that they could go and make preparation. And, and the, the interesting, neat part about this that I want to reveal in just, just a couple of minutes is this, is that God knew that Herod was not going to be happy about Jesus being born. God knew that Herod was, in all intents and purposes, a wicked man, and he was going to try to take out Jesus. And so right before Herod issues this decree, it's called the murder of the innocents. It's in history. It's outside of our Bible in, in other parts of history. This is well known. When he issued this decree to, to kill all the male children two years and younger in, Beth, in the whole surrounding area of Bethlehem, before he did that, uh, the Magi shows up on Jesus' parents' doorstep with their toddler, the king of kings, and they unload a treasure. Now, these guys are, these are, very wealthy, very empowered, very well-known men. They didn't show up with a fistful of dollars. They showed up with lots of treasure, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All these things were, were very costly, expensive, and, and used as a commodity, used as exchange. 
And so right before God shows up and tells Moses, you got to take your family and you got to flee to Egypt because Herod seeks his life, God unloads everything that they're going to need for them to do exactly what he's called them to do right before. Because as soon as the Magi leave, Herod figures out, oh, the Magi left town and they didn't come back and see me. When they leave town, people know. Again, entourage, security, money, lots of them. When they leave town, he figured it out in a short order. They left town, they didn't tell me, this makes me mad. And he went and killed every, every male child two years and younger. Why, would he, why did Herod choose two years and younger? Because that was the time frame that they told him when they saw the, the star first appear. Are you following me? So, so there's this gap. So theologically, you know, when we write plays from here on out, right, we'll, we'll just do a two-year gap when the wise men show up. And then, what, you know, who, whose kid's going to be about two years old? next year, right? Well, they'll be Jesus. Two-year-old toddler will be Jesus. So I like that uh, Joseph hears in a dream and God says, you got to go to Egypt. And without asking questions, he realizes these are the resources God just placed in my hand to obey him in this season. And he takes his family and he takes Jesus and he, and he flees to Egypt on, on, on the Lord's word. He honors God. He obeys God. And he flees to Egypt. And that's, that was God's protection. And again, another prophecy was filled, fulfilled because there's scripture that says, out of Egypt, I will call my son. That's, that's where Jesus was for probably a couple of years. He pro- they probably had to go there for a couple of years to make sure because it was after Herod died, the king, that, that the Lord again re- appeared to Joseph and said, Herod's dead, the child's safe, you can come back home. So we know just by watching a little bit of history, they guessed that Jesus was born between six and four BC, right in there. And there's a debate on whether... Herod, when Herod died. There's more, there's more history stuff outside of the scripture too. But how many of you know the Bible is pretty accurate when it talks about dates and timelines? And, and so there's, there's debate on when Herod died, but, the, but a lot of the consensus is around 1 BC. So if Jesus was born in 4, and that's kind of where I lean based on the evidence, and Herod died in 1, you put Jesus at like two and a half, almost three years old when he came back to Nazareth. Are you following me so far? So it's, it's, again, it's back to God orchestrating every piece, every, every prophecy, every jot and tittle that God said came to pass. And when he talked to people, they obeyed him. It was important. And, and I equate this to us because we're looking back and celebrating with these kids 2,000 years ago when our Savior came for us, you know, two millennia ago. I mean, that's a long stretch, and we're still celebrating the savior of the world. And we're celebrating that his parents heard from God. I mean, Joseph had a tall order. His wife turns up pregnant before they got married and he has a dream and, and God says, take her as your wife. And he does. I mean, this guy is, he's a just man. He's honoring God. He's obeying God. And then he has, a, he has another dream that God tells him, go to Egypt. And he does. And I mean, we're in, an, we're in a, a place today because of all that happened. We're in church celebrating Jesus' birth because we get to go to heaven. We get to be with God forever as believers because of what Jesus did and because of what his parents did in obeying him. Jesus had to humble himself. He, he always was. He was the word. He was with God. He was God. And then the word became flesh. So Jesus had to humble himself and come as a baby and trust God and trust his parents to obey God so that he would survive. Amen? And so I guess my... my my challenge to us this morning in Christmas season is that even though we're two years later and we're celebrating the birth of Christ and what he's done for us and, and what that means for us as Christians, in our lives, 
God is laying things out for us to do. He's laying out things that he's asking us to do. He's asking us to obey him and follow him. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's pick up your family and go to Egypt. Sometimes it's do difficult things. But he sees the end from the beginning. He sees it all. And the question for us as Christians is, are we going to obey him? Are we going to find out what he's saying to us, be wise enough to hear, and then and willing and wise enough to obey? Because if Joseph hadn't, what would have happened? I mean, come on, the whole story changes if we don't have obedience in this area. If we don't have obedience from Jesus to the Father to come as a baby, to be raised as a toddler and a young child and then a teenager, for crying out loud, Jesus was a teenager. And then an adult, right? And, and honoring God and honoring his parents all the way through. That means it can be done, parents. Your teenagers can do this. Honoring God all the way through. And then giving his life for us. It was all about obedience. Always about obedience. And so we're faced with seeing the reality of this. The, the truth is, is that we're not celebrating some religious hocus pocus fantasy. We're, we are celebrating the real God who came as a real man who lived and breathed and showed forth God and then died on the cross and God raised him from the dead. We, we believe that. We're celebrating actual historical events that God is real. And because of that, we have opportunity this morning to honor God with our lives. You know, you may be here this morning and you have you have never given your heart and life to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you've gone to church for a long time. Maybe you think that because of your service, because of your, your time in church, uh, whether it be a lot or a little, that you're okay, that you're, you and God are okay. I've heard people tell me this, like, no, me and God are good. We have an understanding. I said, well, well what, what's that understanding? Because if it's not gospel, if you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, if you haven't confessed him as Lord, your understanding is one-sided, so if you're here this morning and you haven't made that choice, I mean, this is the best time of year to, to give your heart and life to Jesus. But make no mistake, this isn't just a one and done. This is a commitment of your life. This is a commitment of, of who you are and, and the steps that you take forward. Like, I, I have to tell you that the gospel is the greatest news on the planet, but it's the beginning of a life with God, not the end. We're, we're taking a bold step and saying, okay, God, I trust you. It, I believe this is all real. I believe what you said is real. I believe it's backed up, not just by what you wrote, but also by historians that wrote about Jesus. We can prove he was here. We can prove this happened. I'm choosing to believe this. And because of that, I'm willing to change my life. I'm willing to do things different. Come on, how much different can your life be if you're willing and obedient to do what God's asked you to do? Joseph's life could have been very different if he just said, I can't marry a girl that turned up pregnant. I, I can't do that. How much different would his life been? How much different would Mary's, Mary's life have been? If, if the angel showed up and said, you know, peace be to you, Mary, you're, you're gonna conceive and have a son. And she said, not me, not me. Find somebody else. I got stuff to do. I'm busy. How much different? See, we're all in a place. We're in a crossroads. And especially, especially, listen to me, in the time we live, when the scripture says, pay attention to the seasons you live in, with the Middle East, Israel at war, with the stuff that's going on all around the world where they are literally, they are literally proving prophecy in scripture every single day we turn on the television or pick up our phones where they call good evil and evil good and that, that sons are forsaking their families and, and parents are forsaking their kids. I mean, we're seeing scripture play out in front of us right now. How much more important is it for us 
to take seriously what we believe and say, God, with the rest of my life, I will serve you, I will honor you, I will obey you. That's the commitment we make when we say yes to him. It's not fire insurance. It's saying yes to Jesus. So if you're here and that, maybe that's something for you for the first time. Maybe you know just by hearing this, something in your heart is saying, I need to commit in a different way. I need to say yes to him and not just, not just do it with lip service, but do it with heart service from who I am. I want to invite you to give your heart and life to Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's through faith, what you believe. It's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. We can't, we cannot get to God by our own works. We can only get it by faith. The grace of God is by faith alone. When you start talking to other religions and other groups that sometimes claim Christianity or they claim other godheads, other deities, every single one of them in, on, across the planet relies on their works, their individual doing, what they can accomplish for God. It gives them degrees of acceptance with God, degrees and levels of heaven with God, all, all, all based on what you can do. But the true gospel, the gospel that's from the word of God, from the Bible, is by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is a free gift. This is the beauty of the gospel message, is that you don't have to work to earn it. You know, like we keep hearing this from, from people who are like, man, I can't go to that church. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not right with God yet. I, I'm on, I don't feel clean. I feel like I'll, if I walk through the doors, I burst into flames. It's the same. It's the same as if you walked into the gym and you know, I can't be here. I'm not in shape. I, I got I to gotta go home and get in shape before I can come to this gym. And we, we're like, wait a minute. That, that's why you go to the gym, isn't it? Right? I mean, when you're single, it's to go to the gym and to meet people. But when you're, when, you know. <laughs> but you also go because you're trying to get in shape, right? And that's why we go to church. We're, we're just trying to find the God that loves us and made a way for us because he cares and we come to him as we are. And you know what? He accepts us as we are because before we knew he even existed, Christ died for us. He loves us. And it's a simple, it's a simple gift. It's a simple gift by faith. Romans 10, nine and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So it's, it's what we believe in our heart and what we say with our mouth is what draws us in to a relationship with God. And again, not just a one and done, but a saying, God, I commit to you. You have done so much for me. I love you. Show me what to do. I'll be willing and obedient. I'll obey. I'll do it. That's the commitment we make when we say yes to him. First John 5, 20 says, and we know that the son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Jesus is the true God and eternal life. So the invitation this morning is to say yes to him. Maybe you have before. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com slash connect and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. 
Thanks again for joining us, and remember, Jesus is coming soon.